Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. Hi friend, welcome to your upfront moment. This week I am joined by Martha Silcott, who is the founder of Fab Little Bag. The origin story of this business is brilliant. So after an awkward dinner party where Martha was forced to smuggle her used tampon from the downstairs loo back to her handbag at the dinner table, she invented Fab Little Bag to prevent women from ever having to feel how she did in that moment. And the more she looked into the problem, the more she was horrified at the impact that flushing tampons and pads down the toilet has. So she set out to change the world one fab little bag at a time. She's on a mission to educate and convert flushers into being binners and to help people who menstruate by making an often awkward and uncomfortable experience become one that enables them to feel good, hygienic and confident. In this conversation, we talked about the power of naivety, of what it feels like to be the only woman in the room, the power of using humour to communicate new ideas. She shared her story of turning rejection into frustration and eventually getting her patent after seven years of waiting. Martha's work is all about managing periods with confidence and it's brilliant. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's go. Good morning, Martha. Welcome to Upfront Moment. How are you today? Good morning. I'm really well, actually. Thank you. Really feeling in a good, sprightly mood today. Wonderful. So tell (laughs) us who you are and what is a fab little bag? Okay, well, my name as you just said, is Martha Silcott, and I'm the inventor and founder of Fab Little Bag. And it's a sustainably sourced disposal bag for tampons, pads and condoms. It's made from sugarcane and recycled material, and the glue that seals the bag is vegan. So it's as sustainable as it can be with the materials we've got out there at the moment. I'm hoping in five years time it could be made from seaweed or something fantastic like that but the reason that I invented it is really because I had a terrible personal experience around at someone's house on my period had to change my tampon I'm a binner so I went to their downstairs toilet and did the loo roll wrap which is wrapping Mm -hmm. in lots of toilet roll ready to put in the bin but there was no bin in there. So I was kind of had this dilemma of like, oh my God, what do I do? Do I risk flushing it? Do I, what do I do? So I ended up wrapping extra, extra, and then doing the sleeve smuggle and back to my table at the dinner where my handbag was on the back of my chair and did the handbag smuggle, which I'm sure many of your female listeners will relate to doing the handbag smuggle at one point or another with varying consequences depending on the situation so that's kind of was a really uncomfortable evening thereafter I was thinking you know who saw what I did what are they thinking does it smell and I can't smell it or like you know it was just 
horrible. So the next day I kind of woke up and I was actually quite angry about how I'd been put in that position and that I was kind of left to fend for myself and figure it out. And I went kind of storming into Boots to find something to make sure that didn't happen again. But there was nothing there. There was just no mention of disposal. There was no hint of disposal. There were no nothing on the boxes talking about disposal. It was kind of like tampons and pads magically disappeared in air. It was really odd. So I started asking my friends direct questions and then suddenly all this kind of nightmare horror stories started coming out about oh my god this happened to me and you know I had to put it in this bin with no lid and the dog found it and he was playing with it and I couldn't get it off him and you know I put it in my mother-in-law's kitchen and she had a freak out because there was no bin in the downstairs loo and all these different stories started coming out and I realized I was not alone in feeling in this kind of awkward slightly embarrassed icky situation um And then I also discovered that lots of people were flushing it down the toilet, which was a complete kind of shock to, and it is a shock to binners. You know, we've got flushers and we've got binners and they coexist, but neither of them actually realise each other exists because everyone thinks that everyone does what they do. It's a really weird situation. (laughs) So I found out that all these people were flushing and then I did research on that and understood how kind of environmentally impacting that is negatively to our sewer system and more importantly to our rivers and our oceans because sewer systems can often lead directly into rivers to help control flooding and so I then since then found some research from the European Commission which said that sanitary waste is the fifth largest contributor to single-use plastic in the ocean which is just insane oh yeah so those two scenarios the kind of emotional kind of horrible experience and then the environmental impact that flushing was having caused me to for some strange reason decide that I wanted to do something about that so that's how Fab Little Bag now exists and yeah we're there on our mission to educate and convert flushers to be binners and to empower women and girls to make being a binner a much more relaxed confident experience so I'm really curious about where you were at that time in your life when you decided I am going to build this product and try and make this there's never really a good time is there no not at all but I always love hearing the kind of origin stories of where you were at that time you know what was happening in your life and particularly what was the confidence catalyst that made you do the thing because we all have lots of people listening in who have ideas for products have ideas for businesses and they're blocked from doing the thing and it's something that I care a huge amount about it's like how can we give more women that confidence to make the leap cross the bridge from having an idea and thinking about something being angry about something Mm -hmm. to actually doing something about it building the product I also studied product design. That's my background. So I also know how difficult it is to build a product, let alone manufacture a product at scale. So I want to know all about that too. (laughs) Tell us, you know, take us back to that time where you made that decision. 
Well, it's interesting because the time that I had kind of that experience and it came into my head that there must be a better way and there really doesn't seem to be anything out there. So maybe I can do that was kind of very, I even forget myself, like I think it was kind of late 90s, but I was not in a position to particularly do anything about it. Also, I didn't actually understand, like I didn't know what to do about it. I just kind of knew that I needed to figure out a way of dealing with it. So I kind of didn't focus on anything other for the first time than trying to literally figure out the solution. So it was a challenge to myself, like, can I fix this? I am a little bit of a fixer, like I'm a solution orientated person. I I always see problems and irritating ways that things are done or things are set out and it kind of bugs me and I kind of think oh if only they did it this way it would be so much better Mm -hmm. always picking products up and saying well why on earth did they put the lid there or you know so I guess it was a kind of relatively subconscious challenge to myself like can I create something so I didn't think too much about it other than actually just doing that so I was just grabbing five minutes in the shower and sitting on the bus going from A to B and just kind of really obsessing about how would this work. I knew I was predominantly a tampon user. So I knew I wanted to open it with one hand and that was really important. So you can just drop it in. So I was kind of obsessed with this one handed thing and I was stuck for ages for months on the, do you remember the sunglasses cases? I knew I was halfway there with that concept, but it wasn't going to be that concept because obviously it has metal in and things like that so it was really just allowing snatches of time that I had in between working really hard at my day job and things and then having a young family to like really think about it and obsessing about it in that way so quite a calm obsession really and then basically I had that eureka moment sitting at home doing something else and it suddenly just kind of came to me that It was not pushing in, it was pulling out. And then I kind of was, I mean, I kind of wish I had a video of me that moment because I was at the top of the house. I ran down the bottom and like got some sandwich bags, some sellotape, a stapler (laughs) and, and a bit of like nappy, you know, the, when you put a nappy on the bit, the Velcro bit that sticks Mm -hmm. the other bit to keep it in place. I got some of that and I kind of created a blue Peter version of the fab little bag using what I literally had in the house and it worked. So then I was like jumping around like a maniac on my own in the house, kind of celebrating something that I didn't even know quite what it was, but it felt good. (laughs) And then after that, I didn't do anything with it. I didn't tell anybody what I did do actually is I went and researched. I don't know how quite I knew about the importance of kind of patents when you're inventing something. I must have just come across that. And so I went to this talk by these people called Ideas 21, I think they were called. And it was free talk about innovation. And that's when I really learned about, yeah, you know, patents, you need to protect your idea and it has to be an inventive step to be patented. And it's super difficult to get one and they're pretty expensive. And so I learned all about that and had had a free half an hour with a patent lawyer and this, that and the other. So then I'm not quite sure of all the timings of everything, but then I I patented, I kind of had to have this meeting with the 
free meeting with the lawyer and they said oh yeah I think that might be right that might be okay anyway then I patented it or applied for the patent and and then kind of forgot about it for ages because obviously well it not obviously at all it ended up taking seven years to grant my patent which is really long and I like normally it's about three but I just kept waiting and waiting and every year the patent fees and hear nothing it's like it goes into a kind of black hole in Brussels and you just don't hear anything from anyone. You can't contact anyone. So you've kind of got no, I, I had no idea. Like I kept phoning my lawyer up going, what's happening? Oh no, it's in that world. It really bizarre. And, and so at some point during that, maybe three years after I kind of started like thinking about, okay, well, how am I going to make it? How am I going to get it made? you know optimistically assuming I was going to like in my naivety naivety is such a good thing and you know so I was like okay how am I going to get this made and I had my little blue peter version which because I'd applied for the pattern I could go and like show and I kind of went on this trips around the UK I went to like nine different factories with my bin liner version saying oh could you make this and they all said no and then I was doing networking around raising money and things like that and I was in almost all cases the only woman in the room and this was like back in like 2007 oh yeah and then 2008 there was the crisis financial crisis no one was lending no one was investing so I wasted a lot of time around that time kind of in networking events which were obviously completely inappropriate to for me trying to raise money because they were just full of blokes kind of talking about themselves so at the end of the day it was quite a good learning curve because I really learned the value of good networking and the complete non-value of inappropriate networking that's a really valuable lesson I learned from that experience and talk to me about your confidence over that journey because I'm hearing a lot of rejections a lot of no's a lot of silence a lot of ghosting how did you, what would, did you have strategies, self-talk? Like, how did you get yourself back up from those moments that knocked your confidence? I think I'm quite, I think my my friends would say I'm a confident person, like always have been. I mean, I think confidence is a, is a strange beast, you know, it mm-hmm. kind of comes and it goes and it wanes and it waxes and it can catch you out and surprise you. And it can completely leave you stranded when you're not even expecting it. So it's it's a very strange thing. <laughs> and and I think that there is perhaps no such thing as a confident person or a non-confident person, because it can all kind of wax and wane. So I, I feel like during that particular period of trying to move forward and getting knocked back, and as you say, ghosted, by the patent office I think I kind of turned it into frustration rather than rejection I I don't know I think that's what I kind of did without being conscious that that's what I was doing I kind of got more irritated and (laughs) annoyed rather than oh woe is me you know Mm -hmm. maybe I should stop so I kind of almost in a way kind of doubled down like well you're not going to beat me you know I'm going to just sort this out so I think that's probably how I got through that period although to be fair getting to the point 
where you know it'd been so long seven years and you have to pay some money every single year and it was just like okay I've got no patent no one can make it got no investment who am I kidding and I did actually kind of get to that point of oh I've just gotta like let this go I'm being stupid here it's not it's just not happening and even though it wasn't anything in the world and no one really knew about it I'd still been nurturing this baby for you know seven years by then so it felt very much part of me even though it wasn't kind of out there So it was actually very difficult to try and have this emotional conversation with myself to disengage from that being what I was going to be working on. And I was really quite far down that journey when the patent lawyer phoned me up and said, Martha, you're never going to believe it. They've granted you your patent, which was a very ecstatic moment, but also quite terrifying because then it was a case of bloody hell, I've actually got to like do it now. <laughs> I was like, well, I have a choice. I could either- was a sh- Shit got real. Yeah, shit got real. <laughs> I had a choice. I could go, okay, great. I've got a patent granted. Like 9% of women in the world get a patent granted. Like, whoa, that's an achievement. You might have to check that stat because that's what it was then. But on the other hand, it it was quite terrifying because, you know, I had a young family and- I had a reasonable job that paid reasonably well and, you know, it would involve saying goodbye to all of that and really focusing. Unless you focus, shit doesn't happen. That's what I learned as well because there was stuff that I was trying to do in whilst working and you just can't, you know, you just, you, you have to kind of certainly test out the idea, test out the strategy, test everything out as best you can before you leap absolutely but don't expect massive developments until you start really focusing in on it is what I'd say and when you're kind of one foot in one foot out then you I feel like your confidence in it is one foot in and one foot out because you're not giving it your all I'm very cautious that because this journey is so fraught with danger and disappointment and failure and negativity that I'm very cautious of encouraging anyone to kind of go down it unless they really have got unbelievable belief within themselves. Because I think that's what confidence actually kind of is. It's it's belief it's inner belief true belief that this is going to work out or not even it's going to work out because no one can determine that really a lot of that is down to like timing and all kinds of other things but having unbelievable belief is really important even if it doesn't end up the perfect fairy tale scenario right you've got to have that at the beginning and that's what I think where the confidence kind of comes from and allows you to feel kind of more relaxed in your journey in a way because you have the confidence that this is what you're trying to achieve and it's needed and it's going to be welcomed and things like that and that's Mm -hmm. why it's good to do some you know research things before you just think yourself in your own bubble oh this is such a good idea like I really love it like surely everyone's going to love it no, <laughs> no. And the other really important thing is, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it just, do you have to earn money? Because if you have to earn money from it, you have to make sure it's commercially viable because so many good ideas are brilliant 
but are they commercially viable? Probably not. So, you know, that's a really important question to ask someone. And it's not that the idea isn't brilliant and it's not that the product or service isn't needed by some people. But is it needed by enough people to actually give you a salary or allow you to exit in 10 years for X million pounds or whatever's driving you on that journey? And there's no right or wrong there. You know, it's not like only do this if you're going to exit for millions. If you're going to do this and it's a lifestyle business and you can earn money and a living from it and that makes you happy, absolutely do that. But be clear. What is it for you? What's driving you? Because you're going to need a whole heap more confidence and belief and rhino skin if you're going for the exit 10 years or whatever. Yeah, and I think it's it's tricky because a lot of those answers can only be found by taking the leap. Like, I don't think you can have the data points and the insight and the experience to get those answers without leaping in some form. And it's tricky because everybody's circumstances are different. And I think it depends as well on what you're building and why you're building it. And I, I always think, you know, you have to... You have to do something. I think too many people get stuck in their heads and get stuck in the research phase where actually it's like the quicker you can make that Blue Peter version and put it in front of somebody and find out, is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Do people want this? How much would they pay for it? The better. And it's it's through those things that your confidence gets a boost. And I would love to ask you about, because of course, at one point in the journey, you raised financial capital, which you know, as a, the investment world is notoriously very male dominated. And here you are pitching a feminine hygiene product to rooms full of men. So yeah. how was that experience? Yeah, pitching for money from room full of blokes when it's a new product in a new category, in a taboo subject, which they know nothing about, probably as hard as And I had to be inventive. So if I just went in and started talking about it, they don't have empathy with managing periods, which is completely understandable and fine and not their fault or anything. Right. So I figured out that I need to try and get them to understand So I actually went in, one meeting in particular, I I recall, we went in with, we had tampons and pads all over the desk. I had rolls of toilet roll everywhere. I had fab little bags. And I picked on some poor guys in the front. And I was like, right, we need to get you to understand this stuff, right? So perch on your chair here's a tampon dangling tampon you need to wrap that up with loo roll here's the loo roll go for it and and so then you know struggle to like you know do the loo roll wrap or whatever and then I'd say and and here's a fab little bag and do it with that so they suddenly kind of had direct experience it's not real obviously but you know it kind of simulated the essence of what Uh women do and it is humor you know humor is a fantastic way to communicate with anybody for any reason I think almost 
so it kind of broke the ice and the other guys that weren't having to do it were laughing at the guys that had to do it and then you know they were like oh I can't believe my wife had to do this or this that and the other so it did help and then you know come up with anecdotal stories like have you ever made a cup of tea yes well have you ever taken that tea bag and tried to get it to the bin like really quickly without dripping everywhere. That doesn't tend to work. There's always slots <clears throat> on the floor somewhere. And that's kind of, you know, what you're trying to do to get it in the bin if there's not enough loo roll or if the bin is further away than it should be. And can you see how now bins can be disgusting and contaminated with other people's used products and period waste? So again, it's trying to put them in a situation that they don't understand so that they get it more because selling is ultimately emotionally driven. And so I was trying to sell my business concept to them so that they wanted to invest in it. Obviously, talking to women is a lot easier. Not all women are very comfortable talking about periods, however, which is another thing I learned because I assumed, never make an assumption, and I did, and I assumed wrong, that just because you're female, you'll be down with like me getting graphic and talking about it. And actually, that's not the case. So you've always got to be, you know, slightly mindful of that. But yeah, it was it was definitely a difficult pitch because there was nothing to say, oh, it's a better version of X other than like loo roll or nappy sacks and stuff. So that was quite difficult. And, you know, I, I didn't only get men. I've actually got half and half investors, half women, half men, which is great. Where is Bad Little Bag now? Present day is really fantastic in as much as we are selling globally so we sell in the UK we have distributors in the US in Australia we have in Ireland for Europe and we have our consumer customers who we serve through our website and Amazon, Ocado, Boots.com all those kind of places and then we also are um, really focusing on our B2B customers so you know, hotels, restaurants, businesses, offices. And my particular passion at the moment is sports because periods play a really big part, not the only part, but a big part in the reason why teenage girls leave sport in their teenage years. And that just seems criminal to me because that should not be a barrier for entry or participation in sport. It's really an easy fix to solve and we should not be having this issue in 2023. So I kind of got motivated about that. And I've created coaches bags for all coaches to have full of period products and fab little bags for disposal. Because often in these places, like even sports that have clubhouses like cricket and rugby, for example, they're male places built by men for men. And typically they don't have great facilities for women that is changing thankfully but typically that's the case so if you have clubhouses great we've got solutions for that with our dispenser and stuff and all the coaches across all sports I hope to have our coaches bags so that women and girls know that if they do suddenly get caught short on their way to training or a match or something they don't have to turn around and go home and make excuses why they're not there they can continue and go to the bag take what they need play their match, dispose of it regardless of the fact there's no bin, regardless of the fact the bin's disgusting, and manage their period with confidence. 
So we've created a kite mark period positive sports clubs and we're working with football FAs and we're working with hockey and cricket and rugby and badminton and gymnastics and it's just so exciting. So that's a really exciting area for us at the moment. And I think I also just actually love the fact that Fab Little Bag finds its way to the most weird and wonderful places and people take photos and send them to me saying, oh, look what I found. I'm in the Outer Hebrides in a pub, literally, and they've got your Fab Little Bags. And I know that they're on oil rigs in the North Sea and they're on Virgin Voyager cruise ships and they're on scientific explorer boats and you know so they're kind of in quotes normal places but they're also in kind of weird and wacky places and I absolutely love that that is amazing what a journey what a story thank you so much for sharing it with us I would love to ask you one last question which I ask all our guests on Upfront Moment which is when Upfront achieve our mission of supporting a million women with their confidence and their self-belief how do you think the world will be different from your vantage point? Wow. If we could, yeah, get another million women in a better place from that regard, it would be calmer. Mm -hmm. There'd be more solutions in the world, solving more problems. I have no doubt. Wealthier emotionally and financially, I'm sure. Probably a bit fairer as well. All of which I love. So the work you're doing is phenomenal and really, really important. Confidence comes and goes, but it should never prevent you from taking that step forward. And it's not, in my opinion anyway, about being loud and gregarious. And some of the most confident people I know are very calm, very relaxed, speak very quietly. It's not a persona like that. You can find it and it it could be hidden deep inside, but rummage around and find it and wake it up. Yes, wake it up. What a perfect place to end. Thank you so much, Martha. We will put links to Fab Little Bag in the show notes so everybody can get themselves one. And very best of luck with your venture. That is so kind. Thank you very much. And right back at you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Upfront Moment. Before I say goodbye, I want to remind you to follow Upfront on Instagram and join the other 5,000 women all over the world who get our weekly newsletter. Go to weareupfront.com to find out more. Bye, friend. I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront Moment.